welcome to Dig Deep. I am looking forward to today. We're doing something we have not done before on the show. Today is episode three of Restoration Marriage, this series that I've been doing with my husband, who is back again this week. Thanks for being here, babe. Hey. And today we're doing a Q&A. Last week we opened it up for questions. We said, send your questions in. And I want to thank everybody for their questions. We're going to try to get through as many as we can in this episode. Um, if you haven't listened to episode one and two, I would encourage you to go back and do that just to get a reference point of what we're talking about today. Um, basically, the metaphor that we've been using is whether it's a old trunk that you want to restore mm. into a beautiful piece of um, art for your mm. home or a home in New Orleans that you are trying to restore to its original quality, we um, we face the same thing in our marriages. We all are fixer-uppers. We all need God to restore us to what he created us to be, and he uses marriage to do that for us. So mm-hmm. that's what we've been talking about in this series. We opened it up for questions last week, and I'm excited to answer some of these today. You ready to go, babe? Yeah. Okay, great. So our first question is... How do you talk about sensitive subjects like sex and pornography in a productive way? Mm. My husband and I seem to just go around in circles and never get anywhere. Mm. This is such a good question Mm -hmm. and it really hits home for us because I know we've had different things in our marriage where we felt like we've gone in circles. Um, What would you say, babe? I think, especially in the context of marriage, it's sometimes difficult to talk about certain things in this, uh, the pace of normal life. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe if you're having a a difficult time making progress on a specific topic, maybe schedule time, a specific time to talk about that thing and, and maybe even let your partner know in advance, Hey, I want to talk about this. Um, can we talk about it at this day and time? And that may be just like, okay, after the kids are in bed on such and such a day, or maybe, Hey, let's go have coffee together and Mm -hmm. get time, you know, alone. Um, but you know, making it so that it's not something that you talk about when it comes up naturally, you know, which is often basically like in the heat of the moment or in an argument. Uh, I think that could be helpful. Yeah. I think that's good. I think that's a good place to start. We talked a little bit in the how to love an introvert and how to love an extrovert series that if you haven't listened to that, I encourage you, I encourage you to go listen, um, about how we all process information differently. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we, if you're married to an introvert, having some advanced notice is really particularly helpful. So telling them, Hey, I'd like to talk about this thing. Can we talk about it the next time we have Mm -hmm. a date night or waiting, um, until the kids are in bed. That takes discipline, but I think it's really valuable. The other thing I would add is this book that we've been reading. This makes me think of of crucial conversations, Mm -hmm. which we've been reading. We've been reading this book about the last month together and it's called crucial conversations. It's by four researchers Mm -hmm. and I don't remember any of their names. So we will post a link in the show notes. So if you go to jessalston.com, there'll be a link there for that book, but crucial conversations Mm -hmm. is the name of the book. And we're actually going to be talking about this in an upcoming series about taming the tongue and communication in general, but it's been so helpful. A crucial conversation is as they define it, any conversation where the stakes are high, it's not just about football or something it's it's about real stuff the stakes are high emotions run high mm. and you have different differing opinions, opinions yeah. um or different vantage points on a on a topic and so 
I think so many issues, certainly any conversation about sex or mm-hmm. pornography in marriage mm-hmm. would qualify as a crucial conversation. And this book has been really helpful to us because it helps identify how we communicate and how we share information with each other in a way that is productive and moves us forward. I think the phrase that struck me in your question, listener, was the going around in circles, which we've experienced in our marriage, where we have a crucial conversation that we are trying to work through. And it seems like at the end of the conversation, we haven't actually moved forward, that we've maybe even moved backward, but that we certainly are just not moving forward. We're going in circles a little bit. Yeah, we had something like that happen uh, several years ago when our youngest daughter fell and broke her arm. And uh, in the course of... She was not even one yet, our littlest one, yeah. Yeah, and we found in talking about why it happened and, you know, trying to figure out how we could prevent things like that happening in the future, Mm -hmm. there was, you know, some, like, we were struggling with, like, assigning responsibility and blame, and we found ourselves spiraling yeah. We were stuck in a circle. Yeah, sure. we we tried to talk about it unsuccessfully three or four times. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of those, they were they all just evolved into arguments. Mm-hmm. And at the end of each one, I think we could say we are worse off than when we started talking about mm-hmm. this thing. That's very true. And I think that might be a good gauge for um, if you need to bring in a third party. Yeah. Is if you talk about something in circles... Uh, if you talk about something and you come out on the other end, either having not made any progress mm-hmm. or making things worse, mm. then I think it's a good idea to go uh, either to a counselor at that point or bring in a mediator, uh, mm-hmm. some sort of neutral third party that yeah. can help you because we found ourselves doing damage to our relationship and we weren't sure if this is going to be lasting damage. How long is this going to go? Right. Uh, so, yeah. and, and we fought against that a little bit. I mean, I, I think I fought against it. Because I felt like I we should be able to figure this out. We should be able right. to fix it. We are two relatively intelligent human beings, and we love each other, mm. and so we should be able to fix this. I mean, like right. this isn't that this isn't rocket science, and but that was that was the event. Those were the conversations that first um, had us seek out a counselor. Well, that's not really true. We did seek out a counselor a couple of years before that yeah. and had a negative experience. It went poorly. Finding, it went poorly. <laughs> Finding a counselor is hard. I mean, it's kind of, you have to, you know, don't be discouraged if you have to do a little bit of dating when it comes to your counselor. Yeah. We are so grateful for the counselor that we found the second go around because um, it was a, a referral from a friend and oh my goodness, she is just amazing. Yeah. Um, but we, we highly recommend reaching out if you're stuck in like a whirlpool of conversation reach out and ask somebody who's an expert you know we mentioned this in the last episode with counseling and and they can hopefully help draw you out of that circle if you feel like you're in a circle you've addressed the same thing the same thing keeps coming up in your marriage whether it's about sex or pornography or anything in your marriage if Mm. if you feel yourself you keep returning to that same same argument that same place it's it's worthwhile to reach out and get um, a third party opinion on that. Mm -hmm. So that's a great question. Thanks for asking that. The second question, this is good because this is from someone who's not married. That's good. Isn't that cool? I think that's cool. So she says, this is someone who is on the dating scene and she's dating someone. She says, as I've been dating, 
One of the things that has been really sweet has been the excitement of introducing my boyfriend to the people who are important to me. Everyone really seems to like him, which is awesome. But what I wasn't expecting was to feel so overwhelmed by folding him into my life. It's really important to me and something I'm truly enjoying, but it's also kind of a lot of change to process. Any thoughts or tips on the process of bringing a new, possibly permanent person into your life? Mm. This is so good. Yeah. So I have an initial thought on that. And I know this is not the question that she's asking about how to tell if this is the right person or not. (laughs) Oh, okay. But uh, I think it is related to other stuff that I think would be good to share. Um, I think a good question to ask uh, yourself, but to also ask people that that you trust, that know you well, is does this person bring out the best in me? Hmm. Like, do they make me my best self, you know? Because as you're folding this this boyfriend into your life, as you're introducing him into, you know, family, uh, you know, interactions, interactions with different circles of friends, you know, people that you know well and that know you well can help you identify if this person helps you be your best self. Because mm-hmm. finding somebody who can help you be your best self is pretty crucial in choosing somebody that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's something that my mom says about when she when the family met you Mm -hmm. that I was my best self when you were around I also really like the image of folding in I think that's really good I like the way that um, this person used that because you know it's not dating and choosing who you're going to marry is a big deal and I think it's good that you acknowledge that you have two individual lives that are being blended into one life. Mm. Like you said, this is a potentially permanent relationship decision. And you want to be thoughtful about those things. And I think it's really easy for us to get swept up in emotion or the moment. But I think the fact that you're already looking at the relationship that way and acknowledging that this is two lives being blended into one or or asking Mm. the question, should we be blended into one? And so I think that there's a lot of maturity to that, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't be afraid of that. And I would I would lean into that and ask the question, okay, what what would this look like? I mean, we've talked a lot in this series about how every single marriage is a restoration marriage where there is work to be done. God wants to make us make us the best version of ourselves that he can. And he wants to use marriage to do that and to shape us. And so often we miss that in marriage because we are focused on other things. But I think for you to ask that question is good and ask the people around you that you care about and that know you and trust you what they see of your relationship from the outside looking in and give a lot of weight Mm -hmm. to the wise words of people in your life. And And I I want to encourage the listener, you know, she says that she's feeling overwhelmed by folding her Mm -hmm. new boyfriend into her life. Uh, I just want to encourage you. That's not a bad sign necessarily. Like, I feel like, you know, for it to be hard work to, you know, bring somebody into your life, um, for it to be a little overwhelming, I feel like that can be natural. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know if you're if you're feeling that way. But I, I wouldn't take that as a red flag. Yeah. And I, uh, along those lines, I think it would be good for you to prepare yourself for, you know, it may be, it may come to be very challenging to accept all the things that come about from bringing this person into your life. It may mean ultimately 
having to forego other relationships. You know, I think back to when Jess and I were, you know, about to get married. Hmm. There were some relationships in my life that I needed to choose to, you know, redefine forever. Like, you know, the many of the friendships that I had prior to getting married were with other women. And you did. You had a lot of friends that were girls. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's just the way, you know, I, I don't know, but I did. And I, you know, we discovered <laughs> as Jess was folding me into her life and as mm. I was folding her into my life, that in order for me to be the husband that she wanted me to be uh, and the husband that uh, ultimately I needed to be for her, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be able to have these friendships continue on in the way that they had been. Right. You know, I wasn't going to maintain separate relationships with these women that my wife didn't have a friendship with and we weren't going to get together for coffee we weren't going to be calling each other on the phone and having private friendships you know and that's part of the folding in process i thought that was pretty obvious but you did not i did not think that was obvious Uh, (laughs) it took some convincing yeah but ultimately i'm i'm grateful for the intimacy and the security that we have and the lack of complication that we have as mm-hmm. a result of that, you know, um, folding in, folding you into my life, I think meant folding other people out of my life, hmm. you know, in at least ways, in some yeah. ways. In some ways, yeah. And I think that that was a good thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even though it was it was overwhelming and it was painful at the time, it was ultimately yeah. a really good thing. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree that the that folding in process is really normal and natural. And I think it's good for you to look at that with really, um, clear eyes and, mm. and ask those questions. I think that's really good. I think you're on the, on a good track. I hope that you continue to enjoy how exciting it is to mm. say, Hey everybody, this is my new boyfriend. That is, mm. that is fun. And it's even more fun to someday say, this is my fiance. Mm. This is my husband. Um, I'm, I still enjoy introducing my husband to people. So enjoy that. Okay. Next question. What do you recommend couples do or be intentional about before starting a family? Mm. Or what are some things to expect in our marriage when kids first come on the scene? So good. Go on dates, people. Yes. We always tell, like, (laughs) if we see someone who's pregnant with their first little one, friends of ours, we always say, so you're going on dates every every night, night, right? Like, please go out Every single night, even if it's just for coffee, I mean, mm. just go out and be alone. It because it does it changes things. I mean, I think that's a good question. I mean, this is, um, yeah, this is big. It's so long ago for us that it's hard to remember. But kids do change things in your marriage. Mm-hmm. But they are the best. I mean, our three are the best three gifts we've ever been given. They're the best kids in the world (laughs) (laughs) i don't know about that they are the best gifts they're the three best kids in our family and and i I was joking about the date thing like you can still obviously go on dates when you have kids but it's just things get more complicated things get more complicated you have child care and things like that yeah and you know you love your kids and and want to want to invest in them and that's that's a good thing and we we totally love our Mm. kids so i i would encourage couples to really invest in their relationship before having kids now, honestly, like I know a couple that got pregnant, like basically on their honeymoon. I think we know two couples that got pregnant mm-hmm. on their honeymoon. Mm-hmm. And then we know couples who have waited 
five years or six years before starting a family. And I think either way, you're going to face some similar things. So regardless of how much time you have in your relationship and in your marriage before kids come, lay as much groundwork as you can. I mean, and know that you're going to continue to work on those things after kids arrive, invest in each other, uh, have real conversations, read crucial conversations and start Mm -hmm. having crucial conversations about these big topics in your life and in your family. They're still going to surface after kids, but you'll have a little bit less sleep under your belt Mm -hmm. and a little bit less time on your hands. Mm -hmm. And so as much groundwork as you can lay will benefit you later, but you're going to, that process is going to continue forever. So, but I think, you know, it's good for you to prioritize your marriage before having children um, yes. to just build a, you know, kind of a, a precedent in your mm-hmm. family, your family that is currently two, but it's becoming bigger than that. The precedent being mommy and daddy's relationship is, is the first priority. It has to be healthy right. in order for the family to be healthy. Right. You know, I think kids they need to get a sense that their parents care about each other deeply and that they're not the most important thing in the world. Like, you know, a kid wants to be treated Mm -hmm. like the most important thing in the world on a level, like on the surface, like they're demanding attention. But I think there is something that brings security to know that um, they are not the center of the universe. Right. Yeah. That sounds harsh, but I feel like, there's something about that that's healthy. Yeah, no, I agree. I think kids do need that. And, um, and your marriage needs that first and foremost. I mean, kids are, you know, an extension of your family. Your marriage is the center of it. And so Mm. learn to invest that time and money and whatever you need to in making that relationship strong. Yeah. One of the things that Jess and I do, uh, we make it a priority financially and in, in terms of our schedule, to do getaways twice a year, you know, even if it's like just two nights away or three Mm -hmm. nights away, um, being just the two of us somewhere else, you know, especially out of the house. If we can, there've been times where we've done a staycation and farm the kids out to grandma's because we didn't have it in the budget. But as much as we can, we try to actually get out of the house. Yeah. It gives you time to talk about things that you wouldn't necessarily talk about at the end of an exhausting day of taking care of babies. Um, It gives you time to, you know, just reconnect and and remember the chemistry that is just the two of you. Right. Um, And I think it's great to be able to just get away somewhere and just have a ton of sex. Oh, my goodness. Yes. (laughs) No, that's great, though. That is great. (laughs) Oh my goodness, wow. I mean, not that you can't have a ton of sex at home, but it's just different okay, sex when it's on a getaway. Are we going to edit this out or what? Are, no. Okay. No. Yeah, real um, talk. Real talk. In real talk. That has been really... It's um, important. The getaways are really crucial for us. We know yeah. other couples who date night every week is their thing. Yeah. And so either way, make time for just the two of you, that's just the two of you experiencing things together. Not just like, okay, the two of us are alone in a room and we're looking at our phones next to each other or we're watching a show together, but we're experiencing things together. And so if you like music and you want to make it a priority, we're going to go to two concerts a year. Or if you like traveling like we do, you know, we're going to go on two getaways, even if they're simple and not that you know, not exotic locations. We're going to explore new places together. That's one thing we enjoy. So those are the kind of things that are important but they're not necessarily urgent. 
Yeah. And so you need to schedule them. That's right. In order for them to happen. That's right. So I would I would start that and learn what your things are as a couple as much as you can before kiddos arrive and then just be diligent about doing those. Put it forward. on the calendar, whether it's a twice yeah. a year thing and put or it in the budget. once a month. Yeah, and put it on your budget for yeah. sure. Next question is related, another kid-related question. Um, we currently don't have a regular sitter for our children, so what are some creative ideas for a date night in hmm. after the kids go to bed? And then the second question, what is one way to make sure you and your spouse connect each day when you have little ones? Hmm. The question about a date night in, you could try to record a podcast like we're trying <laughs> to do tonight, and all of our children are in their beds not and should sleeping. have been asleep, but they are not asleep. So if you hear them in the background, we apologize. They should have been asleep like an hour ago. Two hours ago. Um, so this is our They're date night in, kids. which is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> of all the kids. This is our date night in. Um, good ideas for a date night in. That's a good question. Yes. I wish I had known I mean, this was going to be a question. So I could have <laughs> thought about it. <laughs> I mean, I think, again, this goes back to figuring out what you as a couple value and, mm. and what you enjoy together and what gives you... An experience. I mean, some couples enjoy playing games together, and mm-hmm. if that's you, I do that. And if you hate board games or things like that, but you love music, you know, listen to music or watch a an online, you know, live concert or or and just talk about things that are your common interests and things that you enjoy together. I mean, we like watching movies. Um, I think some of my favorite things that we've done, and I don't think these are like necessarily like date nights per se but just you know things that we've done to connect in the evening like like is when we read together we do enjoy reading together that's true we We haven't done that in a while we've read through like all any like tween sensation (laughs) (laughs) so we read read the entire harry potter series yeah and as like date nights in i read approximately 10 pages and just read the other fourteen thousand pages and scratched my back the whole time and honestly i would not have guessed neither of us are big are huge readers we both uh, see the value in reading and try to read a lot but that surprises me that's one of our things but we discovered that's something we really enjoy and Mm -hmm. the other thing i would say is getting your kids in bed and doing like a simple dinner for them and then doing a nicer dinner after the kids go to bed. I mean, we are, we are so used to our parents of little children routine of having our kids eat dinner, eating dinner with our kids at like six Mm -hmm. and then getting everybody in bed by eight or so. But we, I really enjoy on a weekend us just trying to like have a little tiny snack so that we can get sushi or something mm-hmm. after. I mean, there's an expense there, but it's at least you don't have to go out and staying in and having a picnic on the living room floor, a sushi yeah. picnic or whatever. Explore new ideas and be willing to always spice it up. And just because you have kids and you might not have a sitter every week, mm-hmm. there are still lots of date night possibilities. And I think every couple's a little bit different, but I would encourage you to, if you don't, if you aren't sure, then try one of those things mm. and then go from there. So that's a good question. Okay. Um, next question. Who? Thank you so much for sharing your story about marriage with Ben and the challenge pornography presented to you both. I'm so thankful the Lord used his grace through you to change his life and begin to set him free. That is amazing. I am struck by Ben's willingness to come to you and be open. And I think that is rare. I know much, I know more and more couples dealing with this and their stories are very grim. What would you say to the couple who is dealing with a spouse 
who is still not able to give it up, even if they say they want to? Mm-hmm. This, that's a great question. Yeah. It's heavy. Well, um, I think I can speak to, um, if you're a person who's um, engaging in pornography, um, you know, I, I'd like to, I guess, address people who w- want to escape that cycle, but I'd also like to just address people who maybe don't see anything wrong with it or, or see it as being destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's, um, there's some research that you can find that just shows the way that, that it is oh, absolutely. corrosive. Yeah. A great resource that we'll put in the show notes. Um, if you haven't heard of it before, fight the new drug is an organization that wants to raise awareness about pornography and its effects. And so you can visit fight the new org, and they have information there. They break it down into three ways that pornography affects you. It, the ways that it affects your brain, the ways that it affects your relationships and the ways that it affects society. So mm. whether you don't think pornography is a problem mm. or you, you do, but you're trying to escape it without success, there are, they're an incredible resource, not just for more information about the effects of pornography. And there's, I'll just add too, there's tons of secular research out there about the effects of pornography on your brain and on your life. And I'd encourage you to just read about it, read about the effects of, of pornography. And, and that, that resource, fightthenewdrug.org, that organization, they not only offer that information about the effects of pornography, but there's resources there for getting connected, getting accountability, um, learning more about how to break that cycle. And they really want to resource people and help them break free from that cycle. So that's, mm-hmm. we'll definitely put that in the show notes. So if you are struggling with that, sorry, I sort of cut you off, but you it's okay. Keep going. But yeah, if you're a person though, who is uh, engaging in pornography and wants to stop, but is feeling incapable of doing that, um, two things that I think have been um, essential to us experiencing freedom in that, for me experiencing freedom in that, uh, is two, th- two things are scripture mm. and confession. Um, you know, the Bible talks about an armor of God, that there's armor that you can put on. The only part of the armor of God that's a weapon is the spirit. It's the word of God. The scripture when it's memorized, when it's meditated upon, uh, when it's called upon in time of need, it is your weapon to mm-hmm. fight this this battle that for many of you, I think, may seem unwinnable right now. Yeah. Uh, I want to encourage you, when Jesus was tempted in the desert, he referenced scripture. That was his, that was his response. Mm-hmm. That was his battle plan, was to reference scripture. And I, I've personally found that the the long arduous process of climbing out of the pit has been made uh that's it's been guided by scripture memorization yeah for me personally i i found several passages of scripture that that spoke to me about purity and about you know uh setting myself apart from my wife and i I memorized, you know, six or seven of these passages of scripture and I sort of distilled them into kind of like a mantra or like a battle cry. Mm. And and I still use it. I've I've been using it for I guess about the last 8 years and 
anytime that I experience temptation, that those words come to my mind and they, they anchor me and give me a foothold to climb out of that pit. Mm. And, uh, we'll, uh, if, if any of you are interested in a few passages of scripture that relate to that struggle, um, I'll, I'll post yeah. a PDF of those passages of scripture and my little battle cry mantra thing. <laughs> and if That's you're, great, yeah. if you're interested in memorizing those things, they, I hope that they are beneficial to you. I, I see them as being the most important weapon that I have at my disposal in fighting that fight. Um, but the second thing that I think is essential, if you want to escape the the cycle of pornography, is confession. Yeah, You cannot leave that secret in the dark. You can't just let it eat you up inside you need to let it out into the light. And I personally think that the person you, whose, whose trust you broke is the person you should confess to. And when it comes to a marriage relationship, looking at pornography in the context of marriage, I think you need to confess to your spouse and you need to seek forgiveness. Uh, I think you need to experience, I think that can be a really scary thing. And, and I don't think that that's bad. I think it's good for you to feel the weight of, of you know, that broken trust. Yeah. That's, a, that's a big thing. It's a real thing. Um, but I do think you should not allow that fear to hold you back from coming to the person who has devoted their life to you and opening up about your deepest, darkest thing yeah. and saying, I'm so ashamed of this. I am so sorry. But this is what I did. Yeah. You know, we, this is what is growing in my heart because mm. I think it's good to clarify here that I know we're talking about pornography, but in, in our marriages, there are things that there are just ugly thoughts that grow, or there are things that anything that pulls you away from your spouse or is attempting to pull you away from your spouse. Mm-hmm. God wants you you to expose that to the light and Mm. expose it to your spouse and say, here's what, here's the thought that went through my head today. And I don't think you need to go through and itemize everything, but if there is something that is consistently pulling on you, whether it's, um, feelings of attraction to a Mm. coworker and you, you can argue, you know, I'm 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 not doing anything wrong. I'm not doing anything about it. If there's something that, is pulling on your heart away from your spouse consistently. I think that's a great example because you've not yet gone anywhere with it. Right. It seems maybe benign on a level, mm-hmm. but just the fact that you don't want to talk about it. Right. That's a great example of the kind of thing that I think we need to talk about in marriage relationships because that can be just a little grain of sand that forms into something bigger that causes a, a greater irritation long term. Right. You need to nip it in the bud. Yeah. And be ready for it with when it, you know, when your spouse brings something like that to you, try to be ready for it and know that you have an opportunity to conquer it together and defeat it together mm-hmm. and not let it put a wedge between you, but be something that actually draws you closer and makes you stronger as a couple because you've looked at it together and you've worked against it as a team and then you've grown stronger because mm-hmm. of it. And that's a way that you can be built up and be restored. And, and those things that are hiding in the darkness can 
can be sent away. Mm. And I think obviously pornography is, is a really unfortunately common one. And, you know, I think that takes a lot of different forms in mm. different marriages and it's, it's worth exposing it to the light. I'm reminded, and this could apply to more things than just sexual issues, but in Proverbs five, the writer talks about any, these temptations, he's talking about a temptress specifically, but these things that want to pull us away, they seem as sweet as honey and they're Mm. attractive, but in the end they're bitter poison. And Mm. that is the reality of pornography. That is the reality of a lot of those things that seek to pull us away is this will be sweet. This will give you some relief. This will be a good thing. And it leaves you worse than it found you. And Mm. only by exposing the light to those things and saying, no, calling it what it is, asking your spouse to walk through it with you. And like you said, Ben, I think is so good, not just confessing, but seeking forgiveness, I think is such a critical part. And that's something that I think is missing in a lot of our relationships and a lot of our, our marriages mm. is that extra step of not just saying, hey, I made a mistake or I did something wrong, but really humbling ourselves and putting ourselves mm. at the mercy of someone else and telling them the ways that we've wronged them and asking them to give us forgiveness, asking them to restore us to right relationship. And I think that's such a critical part of our relationship with God is, is saying, God, I really am broken in this area. Please restore me. Please heal me and forgive me. And that needs to extend into our relationships too in marriage is coming to each other with that, with that heart of asking for restoration and asking that person to engage with you in that, I think is important. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. And I think yeah. for, for a person who's, you know, I think anyone in a marriage relationship is called upon pretty regularly to forgive. Yeah. That's something that needs to be, you know, part of your regular repertoire of things that you can do mm-hmm. <laughs> as a person. Um, and that's another situation where I feel like, scripture is just so essential like being soak soaking in scripture meditating on scripture regularly i think can help you be prepared for that uh that opportunity that challenge of needing mm-hmm. to forgive somebody um, because you need to be keenly aware of your own brokenness yeah your own uh forgivenness mm-hmm. when somebody comes to you seeking forgiveness because you know jesus talks about the you know the person who owed much and their debt was forgiven but then they turned around and then they required punishment for the person who who owed them comparatively very little and the ultimate punishment of that first person was was devastating and none of us want to be that person you know jesus calls all of his disciples to be people who forgive. He says, as you forgive, you will be forgiven. And so we ought to be people who forgive readily. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make it easy. It just is a reminder that it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. I and mean, it's so easy in marriage to 
I mean, it's easy in all relationships to want to compare our offenses mm-hmm. and and weigh ourselves against, okay, yeah, I know I make mistakes, but at least I don't make mistakes as bad as right. this person or that person. And in a marriage, that same disease can creep in where you say, well, they've clearly done the big offense mm. and remembering that we we're all broken and we all need forgiveness from God and from each other mm. because we're all broken people and living in that reality, especially if you're the person who is, you've been given the opportunity to forgive something. It's important to really spend time thinking about that and thinking Mm. about the ways that you've been forgiven by Mm. God, because that will give you the grace to give to others. And that's hard to do, especially in marriage, because like we said before, it's the marriage relationship where you, you see it all. I mean, you you're going to see the good, the bad and the ugly of this person. And we're called to be prepared for that as much as we can and extend God's grace and forgiveness. And I do believe, as we've said throughout this whole series, that that is the key ingredient to healing and Mm. to having healthy relationships. And so as we wrap up this series, I don't know if you have anything else to add, babe, but this is a, it's a heavy question, but a good question to end on Mm. that it's grace that heals us and makes us clean and exposes things to the light. And it's in that forgiveness that we find healing for our brokenness in our marriages. We're all a little rotten on the inside. We're all a little broke down. Yeah, we are. We've all got some mold hiding in the, and some cockroaches hiding in the darkness of the walls of our hearts and our minds. And marriage has the potential to be the relationship that makes you healthy And it has the potential to be the source of a lot of pain, but seeking to lay the foundation of your marriage on God's word and on his grace in your lives as you extend it to each other is worth every, every ounce of that investment Hmm. will come back to you in a way that blesses your life. So it's like the fixer upper at the end of the fixer upper episodes. That's right. That's where everybody wants to live. That's right. You don't get there easy, though. It we takes... talk about Fixer Upper too much. I do love <laughs> Fixer Upper. And I will say, because Ben's on this week, that you love Fixer Upper as much or more than I do. Don't lie. Don't make that face. I love watching Fixer Upper with you. Oh, he loves back. it. No, he <laughs> loves it as much or more than I do. Um, I hope that this series has been a blessing to you. I um, that We have several try it todays from this i would encourage you to check out the resources Mm -hmm. in the show notes whether that's picking up a copy of crucial conversations Mm -hmm. reading the scriptures that ben referenced um, seeking out counseling for the first time uh, any of these we have so many try it todays from this q a i i hope that you latch onto one and you know in your heart that's the one that i need to do yeah and that this blesses your marriage. I hope that it has a positive impact. We're so grateful that you have spent time listening this week and we look forward to seeing you back next week. Thanks again, babe, for doing this series with me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.